Smitty, Brees uh, Hall was put on the PUP, Smitty. Why are we talking about him again? Smitty, I heard he ran pretty fast today at practice for being a PUP guy, Smitty. All of you concerned Caleb's and petrified Peters out there that came crawling into the live stream yesterday saying, Smitty, are we worried about this Brees Hall? I have people crawling into my DMs after the show, just crawling up to the to the comment line and saying, Smitty, in, in the YouTube videos too, in the comments saying, Smitty told you. Told me what? What'd you tell me, Bob? What'd you tell me? Did you even watch the video? You, you didn't read the room. You walked into the room and said, Smitty told you. Told me what? You told me that Brees Hall is going to be a monster in 2023? Because that's what the video was about yesterday, pal. And we're back today because Brees Hall ran 23 miles per hour today in practice on the PUP. Active PUP, mind you. Look at this monster in the making. Okay? We're, 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 we're going through it all right now. Live on the show. Appreciate you. File on in. Hit that like button. Let's go. Live from the FantasyFootballShow.com studios. It's the Fantasy Football Show. Live! Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Smitty is also live whenever news breaks. From the FantasyFootballShow.com news desk, here is your breaking news. So we've got a little Brees Hall news to discuss once again. I know everybody's like, Smitty, we just talked about this. We sure we sure did. But we're back again because we have new news, important news, amazing news. Brees Hall running 23 miles per hour today in practice as all of the Brees Hall haters and doubters out there are sprinkling their little two cents in saying, Smitty, the PUP list. I told you we're worried about Dalvin Cook. I told you. Um... This guy is going to be a, a monster and a, and a force in 2023. Now, now Salah did come out, head coach of the New York Jets, saying that they're going to do right by Brees. They want to make sure they don't rush him along and put him in a vulnerable position. Um, but running 23 miles per hour, uh, cutting is a whole different ball game, and there's a lot of mental preparedness that is involved in, in, in an ACL recovery season. There's a lot that goes on. But... What you didn't see happening with Barkley, his first year back from an ACL recovery, what you didn't see happening with J.K. Dobbins was getting out there and looking like his old self. Maybe he's not cutting the exact way you want him to cut. Maybe he's not cutting 100% because he's trying to get his body used to cutting and, and, and the communication between the, the, the brain and the knee needs to be reestablished in a speedy fashion. People don't realize that when you suffer an ACL tear on the back of this knee model, you can see at the middle of the knee, there's the ACL and PCL that cross over, and that keeps the stability of the knee from going forward and backward and slipping off of the, the other joint here like a shelf. Without the ACL and MCL, this knee would go back and forth and essentially rip all these other ligaments. The ACL and the PCL are for stability and tightness of the joint. And when you tear that, you are severing the connection in your knee in a sense. And it takes time to, to get that back to where you're running in your brain. And you do this without even thinking, but you say, I'm going to cut. And your body's a little behind where your brain is. And you have to reestablish a new connection between the brain and the knee. 
there's a lot of mental hurdles that you get over. But Brees Hall's clearly already over so many of those hurdles. There's footage of him out there literally cutting, running. And if you remember back, the difference between Brees Hall and Barkley and why I'm so all over drafting Brees Hall this offseason coming off the ACL tear versus when I said stay away from Barkley. Number one, Barkley was going top five. Barkley was going top five. There was no bake, baked in risk at all. Brees Hall is going in the third round in many cases, especially coming off of yesterday's news that Brees Hall was being put on the PUP list. Jets placed Brees Hall knee on the active PUP list, which is not a concern. It's like playing chess with your roster and having more time to evaluate other players in, in buying time. It's like a it's like a, a chess move, you know, for teams to use the the active PUP when they can to to get as many looks at players as they can and make decisions on the roster. He's out there doing things. It's the active PUP. Nothing changes. Look at him out there. Cutting, cutting, working out, catching footballs, running, getting clocked at 23 miles per hour. The fact that the PUP you know, term was used yesterday, it had people DMing me in droves saying, Smitty, what do we do now? What do we do now, Smitty? So I, this was my favorite one. It, it, it drives me nuts, but it also gets me so excited because the knee-jerking, reactive... Rodgers out there are going to make Brees fall to the third round. Although this news today might counterbalance and wash out that effectiveness uh, in terms of, you know, people being overreactive. But I had people yesterday, like, it was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed. You know when someone does something that embarrasses you and it's them that did it? I was embarrassed reading some of these messages. Smitty, so I, Smitty, so I guess we misjudged the Brees Hall situation. That was from, let's call him John. John, you should really be ashamed of yourself. Your mother is embarrassed of you. DMing another grown man saying, I think we made a mistake uh, drafting Brees Hall, didn't we, Smitty? Now what do we do? How do we just adapt, Smitty? What are we going to do? You should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. Um, Brees Hall, the, the act of PUP means nothing. Even Pacheco's being talked about as, as being thrown on it. And Pacheco said this today. He said he will absolutely be ready for week one. Pacheco is going to be an absolute monster in 2023. PUP doesn't mean anything. It's the reserve PUP right before week one. If you land on that list, then you are probably missing four weeks, right? That's how that works. Okay, it's not six weeks. It's not not probably. You are. If you're on the reserve PUP list, you walk into the season on the PUP you missed the first four weeks of the season. I say probably because you could miss more, but you can come off after four weeks. But your mandatory, your mandatory four game, uh, um, you're missing four of them if you go on that list. That is a different list. People don't know what they're saying. They're just they're just regurgitating what they hear. Brees Hall went on the PU, the PUP, Smitty. Are we? Here's another one that I got yesterday that was embarrassing to read. Okay, Smitty. Do, do, do we go in a different direction now? No, you don't go in a different direction, Bob. If anything, you're going to get him in the third round locked and loaded instead of sometime, sometimes having to flirt with late second round ADP value, Bob. Like, getting Brees Hall as your third drafted player is night and day more advantageous than getting him as your second drafted player. I mean, this is this goes without saying. Um, getting clocked at 23 miles per hour, do you notice anything different? About about this recovery than than Saquon Barkley's recovery. Do you notice? Do you notice anything different? Yeah, you should because it's July twenty. 
He's out there cutting. He's out there running. He's out there getting clocked at, at 23 miles per hour. And, and so when you ask yourself, and this is the other favorite one I get from, from I don't know, a, a, a spreadsheet Scotty. Smitty, you always, this is why I told you, Smitty. You didn't listen to me. In my comments of my video where I literally tell you not to panic, he doesn't read the room. He doesn't watch the video. He thinks my video's saying, I believe that Tommy was right, uh, uh, you know, or scared Scotty or spreadsheet Scotty was correct. He doesn't even watch the video. He just thinks my video is saying, I confirmed Scotty was correct the entire time. Scotty comments, told you, Smitty. <laughs> told you, Smitty. Uh, you know, you just don't draft running backs coming off of catastrophic injuries, uh, especially ACL tears ever. And there is a rhyme and reason to that theory. Like if you avoid drafting players that come off catastrophic and season ending injuries, especially ACLs, you will more times than not avoid drafting a player that's going to disappoint you. But who's to say you can't in calculated fashion be like, oh, I'm going to not draft most of them. But when there's a glaring upside like Brees Hall's, I'm going to circle back in and draft him. I'm going to land this more than than that player uh, would or that owner would if he's tried to, 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 to nitpick at it and find what players to believe in, what players not to believe in, because I've done this for 20 plus years professionally. And I'm telling you right now, there is a stark difference between what this man's doing on the field and what Barkley was doing on the field before his week one outing. There's a, a stark difference between what this guy's doing on the field and what Javante's doing on the field. I love Javante and Brees Hall almost near equally walking into 2023. We They were both top five running backs in our in our minds. They were both guys that could win you a league, and they both suffered catastrophic, unpredictable ACL tears. And it was a shame. We recovered. We did amazing in our community with the late drafting players, the Damian Pierce's, the Kenneth Walker's, the Jalen Hurts in round six and seven, the Joseph Scar Smoking Burroughs in round six and seven. We cleaned up last year. I can only imagine how many of you would have won Underdog Fantasy promo code Smitty best ball tournaments if you had had Brees Hall and Javante, uh, Javante Williams in your lineups all year. But it is what it is, and we're here to come back and rectify and right the wrongs of last season. No matter if they were our fault or not, we take ownership of it. We say Brees Hall got injured on our watch, and it's okay. We're going to evaluate this process case by case. And guess what happens when you look at an ACL recovered player? You look at three components. You don't just come in like Bob. And, and scared Scotty and go, oh, you just stay away from him. And that's all you do. You just sit scared in your corner. You shiver and you say, I'm not going near any of these ACL recovering players, Smitty. It, it, it petrifies me like the petrified Peter that I am. You can do that if you want. Go in your corner and shiver and, and get scared all you want. I'm here to tell you the formula. I'm here to tell you the formula. The formula is simple. It's preparedness is number one. And that's about 70-80% of the whole thing. Is Brees Hall prepared? Is Brees Hall prepared? The answer is Brees Hall is prepared. Brees Hall is light years ahead of, ahead of where Barkley was. Who barely cut at all in shorts before week one kicked off. This guy is doing it in June. 
He was doing it last month. He was cutting last month. Now he's running 23 miles per hour. And because he got placed on the PUP list, people are freaking out and they're being petrified in corners everywhere, just shivering and avoiding him at all costs. Well, maybe this counterbalances that. Maybe people say 23 miles per hour. Okay, everything I felt yesterday, I'm going to undo. And that, that could happen. But my guess is that a lot of this news impacts people a lot less than the PUP list because the amount of DMs I got last uh, yesterday and the last 24 hours is just, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to explain it. I just stopped responding to some of them. I just pointed to the to the link. Watch the video. Watch the video. Smitty, what do you think about Brees Hall? Watch the video. Hey, Smitty, I know you did a video on this, but what do you think of Brees Hall? Watch the video, Bob. Watch the video. I clearly explained what's going on. Okay, Smitty, I saw you like Brees Hall, but are you sure we like Brees Hall? Yes. I don't come out and just blow smoke up your rear end. I do videos for a reason. I do a, a whole show for a reason. Why are people asking me over and over if I like, do I really like Brees Hall? Okay, I saw your video. You like Brees Hall. And then you really like Brees Hall. But do we really like Brees Hall? Yes. We really, 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 really like Brees Hall, Bob. Is that Does, does that answer the question for you? This guy's out there getting clocked at 20 three miles per hour number one measurement for is this a running back you have faith in their first year back from an acl tear preparedness he's knocking preparedness out of the ballpark barkley did not barkley did not he didn't come close to it i told you to stay away from barkley i told you to stay away from jk dobbins their first year back their first year back from 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 acl uh damage they weren't ready. The preparedness was not up to par. His is. How young is the player? He's as young as it gets. First year. He tore it mid-range through a little bit before mid-season. Tore his ACL. He's as young as you can get in terms of recovering from an ACL. And he knocks that that uh, benchmark out of the park. And number three, situation. Is the situation conducive to allow the player a little wiggle room as they ease back in? And is the coach going to ease them back in appropriately? And Salah is very clear about it. Here's this, um, even this right here says it, that the, they want week one. They want him for week one, but they are going to do right by him, meaning workload. And Salah said it today in a press conference. He said, he looks great. He's clocked at 23 miles per hour. He looks fantastic, but we are going to do right by him, meaning they're going to give him enough work and unleash him a little bit at a time. Uh, so uh, I, I believe I believe the answer to, to number three is situation. There is no better situation in the entire National Football League for Brees Hall to come back in because he's got Aaron Rodgers keeping defenses honest, spreading the ball out, Garrett Wilson knifing around all over the field. You've got a, a decent wide receiver room overall that's going to be stretching the field. Uh, Rodgers familiar with, with some of the components, getting to know the other components in the offense, having a running back that he can turn into the next uh, Aaron Jones. And the fact that he'll have room, Brees Hall, to navigate open spaces, kind of catch a football in, in the plane, and, and have this ability to do what Aaron Jones did in open space, it, it's a lot more a lot more conducive to a, a, a first, you know, week one, week two, week three, first, you know, month of recovery, getting your feet wet. It's going to be amazing for him. It's the best environment he possibly possibly could be in. Number two, off of that, with that one argument, 
is that the defense is the best defense or the second best defense in the National Football League. And I don't think people realize how much better they're going to be this year than last year because they didn't have an offense to support good field position. They were on the field constantly, um, the, the, the defense. So now you're going to have the defense more rested. Uh, the Jets offense is going to be stretching the field, burning the clock, and the Jets defense is going to come in a lot fewer times onto the field and dominate in, in fresh fashion. Sauce Gardner's a year better. This is one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the National Football League. And what that's going to do is cascade back and forth, and they're going to help each other. The defense is going to put the offense on the field in good field position, and guess what happens for Brees Hall? If Brees Hall got, let's say, 10 carries in week one. Having this offense and defense cascading and helping back and forth, putting the offense on, on the field inside inside the 40, let's say, and they've got a, a smaller field to work with. Brees Hall is going to have a higher likelihood at ripping off a, a 10, 15-yard touchdown or being handed the ball 10 to 11 to 12 times instead of 15, 16, 17, 18, and let's say week 7, 8, and 9, and having a touchdown in 50 yards could be very, very solid, uh, a solid expectation for Brees Hall, even on a, a little bit more limited basis as they ease him in. If you put him in last year's offense, coming back without the stretching of the field, with the bad defensive, uh, you know, uh, situations where the defense is having to try and set the offense up, they're constantly on the field, they're getting tired, and the offense hits the field uh, 70 yards away from the end zone, guess what? Brees Hall, on his 10 carries, is going to be a lot less likely to score a touchdown and have good production on 10, 11, 12 carries. So he could he could trip and fall into 100 total yards and a touchdown on more limited you know usage in weeks 1, 2, 3, 4. This is an absolute amazing situation. Brees Hall has the youthfulness on his side, the readiness and preparedness, and the situation to be the most ideal candidate to ever come back uh, from an ACL tear since Adrian Peterson. I'm not saying he'll have 2,000 yards rushing like Adrian Peterson did. I'm saying that he can have as big of an impact for his team and have a successful, as successful rebound from ACL surgery the first year back from an ACL tear, given all the components that seem to be lined up to make sense and 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 parallel Adrian Peterson's situation versus Barkley or J.K. Dobbins. Stop go- coming out here and saying it's all the same, Smitty. You have an ACL tear, you avoid them. You you aren't looking at it in a detailed fashion. And if you say that, it's okay if that's the way you want to approach it. But you are going to miss out on a on a, an amazing recovery season, and you might be okay with that because you will avoid some of the pitfalls. But I'm going to avoid all the pitfalls anyway because I'm applying logic to when and how and where to invest in a, in a recovering player that's recovering from a torn catastrophic ACL tear. And I'm going to land it without missing and misfiring on the other ones. It's not an all or nothing. It's not a okay, we either invest in all ACL recovered players and get burned 70 or 80% of the time. That is a stupid way of looking at it. When someone says, Smitty, you got to avoid it. It's going to, more times than not, you're going to be better off. I'm doing the better off thing as well, bro. I'm looking at it case by case. I'm avoiding Barkley. Boom, nailed it. Barkley was garbage the first year back. It just, it is what it is. The writing was on the wall. Even he says it is what it is. That's the term of the week. And that's and, and it was clear as day. J.K. Dobbins was a massive avoid walking into his first year back from an ACL tear. I nailed both of those. Javante Williams is a very cautious player to approach right now. I, I feel like that's accurate. Brees Hall is different. 
if I was biased and I was just like, I'm going to back my predictions no matter what and be an idiot, then you'd have me supporting Javante and Brees Hall equally walking into this year. Instead, I'm being objective. Instead, I'm telling you why it makes sense to believe in him versus Javante. Until we get more information, then we can get back on board the Javante train, but we need to objectively look at this situation over and over and over again and objectively this is the man. This is the guy. This is a third drafted player steal. You win a league if you draft Brees Hall in the third round as your third drafted player. You're still getting amazing value if you're taking him at the tail end of round two. And you're basically getting bookend players at the 2-3 turn. And one of them is going to be Brees Hall. And you're going to be fine. That's win a league capable as well. Because he has top five running back upside. Because he has top one to six, one to seven overall upside even coming off an ACL tear given all the reasons I just mapped out he is a home run in round two he's a home run in round two he can win you a league in round two but because you can get him in round three you got to take that swing because it's so much better for your odds of dominating and drafting a team that you have no business drafting because you hit every pick out of the park every time you're on the clock you say to yourself Who's got the best upside and least amount of risk or the ratio, the combination, the best risk reward uh, versus reward relationship? Who has the best one? It's Brees Hall. If you're sitting in round three, it's most likely Brees Hall. Now, do I like Gibbs over Brees Hall? It's close. You know, and that's just how much I love Jameer Gibbs. You know, we love him a lot. Phone line is open. If you want to dial into the show, let's do it. Call into the show. Call, call, call into the show. Okay, uh, phone lines are open. I'd love to discuss any one of these topics with you, whether it's Isaiah Pacheco, which we have right here on screen, and we went live on that earlier. He says, I will absolutely be ready. Or if you want to discuss the uh, Brees Hall situation where I'm telling you, you are in potential win a league mode the moment you draft this man let's go to the super chats real quick before i answer the phone calls real quickly uh let's go super chat number one is gonna be this one from wayne solo wayne solo says just got Brees at the 4.4 and a best ball love the discount because of the overreaction oscars out there the overreacting oscars are absolutely our friend and Scott's on the line. Scott, be quiet real quick. I'm still going to go through these super chats and swing over to you. But Scott is one of the best people you could have in your draft because he's petrified of Brees Hall. He's petrified of Isaiah Pacheco. He's petrified of all these players that potentially people are drafting too high and you got to be worried. And you're able to steal away Brees Hall because you got scared Scott's in the league. And that's amazing. And Scott is doing his thing, his part. We need scared Scott's in our leagues. It's important. Where would you draft Brees in a 12-man non-PPR? In a non-PPR, bottom around two with a with a smile on my face, Isaac. Appreciate your $2 hauler. But if you still could get him in round number three, top around three, 3.4, 3.3, you might want to roll the dice if you're drafting, let's say, two or three picks uh, before the turn. Let's say you're drafting it at 2.10. Then you might want to take Brees at that third round spot if you believe this news is going to kick him down a little bit or the news yesterday about landing on the PUP. 
Tough to know if the 23 mile per hour thing is going to hit news wires enough. I haven't really seen it. Like Adam Schefter is not really reporting on it. I don't think I've seen it on his. This is like a local beat writer type stuff. You're going to, are going to be reporting on that. I'm looking at Schefter right now. Brees Hall hits the PUP. Where's Shefty talking about Brees Hall? Where's Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport talking about Brees Hall running 23 miles per hour? Maybe they circle back to it. I know the Washington Com Commander's sale has been dominating a lot of the tweets and news right now. And by the way, let's give a round of applause to the Washington Commanders. Uh, new ownership that should really turn this organization around and make this man Jahan Dotson and Sam Howell uh, and Biennemi in this whole situation vault up and become one of the more exciting situations walking into 2023. I think Sam Howell could be that guy. I think Dotson could be that guy. Let's do a stand standing ovation for the Washington Commanders in that situation and the Harris group, who now comes in and, and gets to turn this organization around finally. Okay. Uh, real quickly, let me get to these super chats and I'll, I'll answer the phone lines. Uh, phone lines are open right now. Isaac, appreciate you. Brees Hall to the moon. G Money with a $5 hauler. Hey, Smitty, my biggest concern uh, biggest concern with the Jets is their O-line. Where do you rank that O-line? Um, and will they have, will have a big part? Look, let me just, let me put it this way, G-Money. I don't think the, the O-line is a problem at all. Like you say, your biggest concern is the O-line. I think it could be a top 10 offensive line in 2023 without, without a single hesitation in my mind. Why do I say that? Why can't I say that? Because we're measuring the offensive line off of having no quarterback, no quick-release quarterback, and they're stretching the field. How many times does a quarterback like Kurt Warner come into Arizona with a, a horrible offensive line? All of a sudden, the Arizona Cardinals have zero offensive line concerns the minute Kurt Warner stepped out onto the field with his quick-release and spread-out offense. Solves it. Immediately solves it. You're facing different schemes with Aaron Rodgers under center than you are with the rotational garbage that the Jets could throw out there. And I'm not saying Mike White's garbage, but Mike White got hurt and they had a garbage situation constantly rotating in there. They didn't stick with Mike White. They put Flacco in well, well before they'd even trust Mike White. Mike White got hurt. There's all kinds of, over the last couple of years, been, been a disastrous carousel at quarterback, musical chairs at quarterback. And to judge an offensive line at all based on that, let me tell you something. This is going to be the number one defense in the National Football League, even over the Niners in 2023. This is going to be a top 10 offensive line in terms of run blocking and in terms of the pass. This is going to be a top 10 <laughs> offensive line in the National Football League. And, and it all stems with Aaron Rodgers immediately fixing it. Immediately, just like I told Hugh Jackson, former Browns coach who came on my show and kind of crapped on my Jamar Chase prediction and that the Jamar Chase drafting would protect Burrow more than drafting Penny Sewell. And, and he said, whoa, 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 Smitty. You're telling me drafting a receiver helps protect Joe Burrow more than drafting a, a lineman, Penny Sewell? And I said, yeah, coach, indirectly. No, 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 no. What did the Bengals go ahead and do? Made the Super Bowl, won the division. Sometimes, a, a, a unrelated couple degrees of separation, drafting or acquisition can improve indirectly the offensive line more than addressing the position directly. And I'm not saying they didn't address it. I'm not saying that they aren't going to be healthy. I'm merely just saying the adding of Aaron Rodgers under center makes this offensive line times ten. 
what it was and what it was capable of. Not to mention the defense being better because the offense is better and having the field position better, which is only going to feed right back into the productivity and effectiveness and efficiency. So Aaron Rodgers is going to make this offensive line rank in the top 10. Plain and simple. They're going to be spread out. They're going to be throwing the football. Aaron Rodgers dumps off to his running backs. You've seen Aaron Jones over the years be so successful. And so it's it, it's game on, bro. It's game on. It's game on. It's a great question, G-Money. I have zero. I have negative concerns about the offensive line. And we've got TM42 saying thoughts on CBS Fantasy having Ken Skywalker as a 25th running back. Take a lap. If, if, if CBS has Kenneth Walker as the 25th running back, in fantasy football, bro. Take a look. And that that's one of the worst. If that's true, I don't I can't confirm that's true, but I trust my boy TM. Uh thoughts on stacking Wilson and Brees. I think asking I, I, I asked this a few days ago, but don't remember. Uh I love the idea in best ball, and I don't mind the idea one single bit in redraft. Uh, I don't know that I would love like London and Kyle Pitts. That would be a, a stack and redraft I would stay clear away from because I feel like there's there's some sort of, you know, if, you know, uh, it would be this player or that player versus both players. In the case of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, they're in a high potent offense, very productive, uh, and, and there's going to be no limitations to Brees Hall based on Garrett Wilson's production. And both of them, more times than not, will have very good games together. I have no problem banking on the Jets' offense is what you'd be doing in that situation. You just don't want to draft two wide receivers from the same team in a redraft or dynasty setting. Best ball is influencing too many people to stack and redraft in dynasty. Stacking gets you nothing in redraft in dynasty. Nothing. You have no better advantage owning Burrow and Chase together than owning Hurts and Chase together in redraft in dynasty. In best ball, you do. It doesn't always mean it's going to absolutely benefit you, but there is an advantage of having to get less things right in all the different correlations, but you still could win a best ball tournament with Hurts and Chase over Burrow and Chase. The only reason why we love this pancake stack so much... The stack above all stacks. It's time to drop the pancake emojis in the live chat. The, the reason the pancake stack is so important and amazing and still my favorite stack of all time, probably walking moving forward, is because I think Chase will be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football in 2023. I think he has 15 plus touchdowns, the most capable wide receiver in the league currently. Marvin Harrison Jr. might get in this mix too, but currently it is Jamar Chase is the most capable wide receiver of getting 20-plus touchdowns in a single season in the coming four, five, six years. I don't think he'll do it on the regular. I think he'll be between 15 and 20-plus. I think that the 20-plus will come on occasion, but there is no player in the National Football League that has a more likely chance, in my opinion, at the wide receiver position of pulling in double or or 20-plus touchdowns, 22 touchdowns, 21 touchdowns. I think Jamar Chase has 15-plus touchdowns this year, 1,500-plus yards, 110, 115, 120 receptions, and I think Joe Burrow throws for well over 42, 43 passing touchdowns alone, runs a couple in, and could arguably be that 50-touchdown total you know, score in terms of rushing and, rece- and passing at some point in the next one, two, three years with the, the, the locked-in 40-plus potential every single season. And so me saying that stack and redraft... The stack above all stacks. 
this this stack is vital not just because they're together because individually they're my potential number one at both the positions that's why the stack has the power it has in redraft it's not because stacking actually does a single thing for you in redraft or dynasty and sometimes sometimes it can hamper you and people need to separate best ball strategy from redraft and dynasty in that sense there is there isn't a lot of difference between best ball and redraft in some areas of uh, of it but in that area it is very different it's worlds apart so make sure you know that walking in okay i think i'm done through uh through all the super chats so far if anybody has a super chat please drop it let's head over to scared actually marsman wayne solo has uh the advantage over scared scott because he's got a marsman card so marsman wayne solo you are live on the show pal uh scott please wait your turn marsman wayne solo go ahead he, he purchased this get in front of everybody uh getting line card fast pass fast pass card right here go ahead wayne solo what's going on maybe yeah so i mean about the offensive line I mean, they're getting Makai Beckton back, which we haven't seen yeah. him yet. He's supposed to be really good. They're getting Elijah Vera Tucker back. So I wouldn't be worried about the offensive line for whoever asked that question. Zero. Zero. And, and I, then, I didn't uh, even I didn't even want to address the injuries. I wanted to to merely – I did say injury, but I'm saying I wanted to merely stay on point that that people need to understand the correlation between quick release and having a quarterback – and, and judging an offensive line when there's no quarterback there. It's like judging, like I always give the example, if you're a banker, you know, at, at a branch, at a, at, a, at a local, you know, bank, and you go to work one day and you have one of the highest volume banks in the, in the nation, let's say, and you got one teller and one banker and a line out the door, are you really going to judge that bank on, on their ability if they literally had one person in there? It's like... I just don't understand how people come to conclusions. And G Money, this was not against you. I love, I love G Money. It was a great question. But the people that like come down hard, you you asked the question. You didn't say the Jets are gonna have a horrible offensive line. That's what I'm addressing. G Money. I love G Money. G Money to the absolute moon. To the moon. Um, what I'm saying is when somebody tells G Money, "Hey, Jets are gonna have a horrible offensive line," uh, look at last year. These people don't know what they're talking about. Uh, sorry. Go ahead, Wayne Solo. So another thing is that like, okay, you know, cause they want to, and I, I, you know, I gave you the super chat talking about how I got him at the 4.4. I got him in the fourth round and this was actually today, but what people don't understand is that Brees is a top five pick if he didn't get hurt last year. So we're already getting him at a discount in round three and now potentially round four. And so you got to look at it in terms of that. And really last year they, they eased him into the offense. He didn't really do anything the first three weeks. So even if they did put him on the reserve pup, and he missed like the first four weeks, or if they ease him into the uh, action and he doesn't play much the first three weeks, it doesn't matter because he was already on his way to being running back number one last year, arguably. Yeah, and, let's, get hurt, so. and let's keep in mind that the the game he got injured, he had four carries, one of which he got injured on. You know, so like you could even take away and say he got three carries, right? He had three carries essentially for seventy yards and a touchdown. So I know some are going to say the explosion might not be there, but I disagree. Ramp 23 miles per hour today in practice. Like the cutting, you know, even this video that you can see, I'll try and put on my Twitter in a little bit. This video, he's gingerly making the corner on this right here as he should be. You know, you know, he doesn't have a reason to do his hard cut right here. He's trying to get his legs under him. But, but Brees Hall is going to, you know, putter, putter step. 
you know, at times he's going to try and get his explosion back. And there's nothing wrong with not cutting, you know, in week one as hard as you would cut in week seven or eight. And he, he's still going to figure out a way to catch a, a pass in the flat and take it, you know, 18 yards down the field and have that total 80 yards. And then because the offense is going to live inside the red zone, again, set up by the defense, then in my opinion, number one defense in the National Football League, setting up Brees Hall and the Jets to be inside the 20-yard line. On a lot of occasions, Brees Hall is going to be able to putter step around and, 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 and just get himself in the end zone and have 60, 70 total yards in a very like light work type of afternoon. He's set up beautifully to have a slow start, but still have production. And, and even if he just had, let's say, eight points in week one, which would be disappointed, I think, to a lot of people. A lot of people would be like, man, I want, you know, 50. <laughs> but even if he has eight points in week one, 12 points in week two, nine points in week three, it's enough that you're going to be fine. And at the end of the year, like, he still, even with a slow start, could be the number one running back in fantasy football. Like, him and Bijan and, and Gibbs. Honestly, I think him, Bijan, Gibbs, and 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 a, and a couple other people, like CMC if he stays healthy, obviously, are just going to be in a, a dogfight. For, for for being the top running back in fantasy football walking into 2024. Uh, and I do, I do say that without much hesitation on Jameer Gibbs being inside that conversation because Eckler lives in that conversation and has lived in that conversation for, for years now. Jameer Gibbs is going to have such an explosive rookie year. He will be in the conversation of being a top five overall player walking into 2024. Um and real quick, Wayne, I'm going to come back to you real quickly. Uh, we got an 814 caller. Who's this? I'm going to go ahead and put you uh, on hold here. But what's your name, pal? Uh, Joel, what's going on? All right, Joel, hang tight. Uh, I'm going to circle back to you. Scared Scott's been waiting, and then I'll come back to you. I got Scuba Steve after that. So, uh, Joel, oh, hang tight. No yeah. yeah, hang tight. Uh, scared Scott, what are you scared about right now? <laughs> come back to the restroom. Come back to okay. Put yourself on mute for goodness' sake. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Let's go. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to. Let's go to call back. I'm not gonna put you on mute while you're on the can, bro. Finish him. <laughs> call terminated. Put him on. Put me on. He doesn't even put himself on mute whenever he says he does. So I don't want any of that. Any part of that. Joel, you're live. Oh, what's going on, man? Uh. First off, I just want to say, man, I want to give you your flowers real quick. I uh, found your channel a few weeks ago, dude, and I've been watching you, and you got a hell of a lot of good things to say and a lot of good insight. I love the production quality that you're putting on, man, just doing all that by yourself, dude. Like, definitely got to give you your flowers. You're putting on a good show. Thank you. Appreciate you. We do what we can to be the best show in the, in the world, in the universe, and I think we do a damn good job. I think if anybody finds us, even if you disagree with me, like 90% of the time, like some people do in here, I think you still find a lot of quality and value in this show. Uh, even with the differing opinions, the phone lines, the, you know, I hit news differently than anybody. This, this 7 p.m. show, which will become an 8 p.m. show permanently starting August 1. Uh, this 8 p.m. show yeah. Eastern, which will be 5 p.m. my time, which is just way more easy for me to do. And it sounds like everybody loves the 8 p.m. change um, for the most part. But, you know, I, I consider this 8 p.m. show, this soon-to-be 8 p.m. show, a new show. Like, when someone says in the comments, oh, you fan, like, someone said, you fantasy guys don't understand any, whatever, the other day in my comments, 
I take so much pride in being an NFL analyst as much as I do a fantasy football analyst, and I've done so for 20-plus years. I was on NBC and CBS Sports Radio for 19 straight years on the longest-running fantasy football radio show in the world. It went 23 and a half years, I believe, Um, and I was on it for 19 straight years before the, the pandemic took it out. Uh, but I take so much pride in being an NFL analyst almost before I am a fantasy analyst, to be honest with you. And, and I, I take so much pride in that when people come in and say, are we drafting on this show? We never draft. I'm never doing a, uh, I shouldn't say never. I rarely ever, ever do a mock draft or a live draft or any drafting on the news show because I want people to count on the 8 PM show as their news source. This is where you come to not have news just break necessarily because no one breaks it originally but a handful of people. But when news breaks, I want you to be able to come in here and say to yourself, I know that I can get Smitty's breakdown and analysis on what is just broken. And I'm going to come in here and, and get my, you know, get my interpret, get the interpretation of Smitty and his crew and the, the followers and all that. Um, hang tight real quickly, Joel. 805 caller, who's this? You're live. I'm going to put you on hold, but I want to I want to enter you in the system here. What's your name? Tamian. It's like Damien, but with a T. Okay, Tamian. All right, Tamian, hold on one second. Let me let me put you in here. All right, Joel, go ahead and ask your question, and I appreciate the flowers, and I appreciate you being a, a you know a first time caller. And yeah, man, of course, dude. Like just. I just love how you run the show. It's like all the little promos and stuff that you make for all the players. And like, you know, the dude, like listening to you uh, talk with like the little megaphone and shit, man. Like, uh, I love it, dude. It's hilarious. But uh, basically I what I was calling that. in was, uh, was about Brees Hall, dude. Like I loved Brees Hall, like at the end of like, you know, at the last, beginning of last season and, you know, seeing what happened to him last year, dude, was an absolute shame. But this year, man, I mean, I guess I'm playing scared Scott this year, dude, because I don't know. I just I haven't – I've stayed away from him. I haven't drafted him in, like, maybe but one – maybe, like, a handful of leagues that I've drafted. And I've drafted probably, like, 200-some best ball leagues on underdog so far, you know, this offseason. But I don't know, man. I just – I just can't feel it with Brees Hall in the third round. Like, if he was being drafted, like, down where, like, Javante Williams, you know, was going, like, this year – I would 100% be on board. Like, dude, hell yeah, he's a league winner at that, you know, at that spot in the draft. But like, at, at third round pick, like when I could get like Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, like you know, Nick Chubb, one of those guys that you know, you know for sure. And Nick Chubb, I mean, he's a completely different story this year. I think he's going to go off. Well, but I, okay, being so drafted around so, those guys is what makes me hesitant. So first you know of all, I mean? first of all, I'll say that. Um... Number one, I appreciate you and, you know, your take. You came in with respect and everything, so I'm not going to send you on laps or, you know, scream at you because you have a differing opinion like I sometimes do with yeah, Scott. Yeah, for sure. But but I would say this. Like, you, you should have just as many concerns about Nick Chubb than you do um, Brees Hall. And I'm not saying that, that Nick Chubb can't explode because I'm saying there are concerns about Brees Hall, but he's going to explode. So, respectively, I'm saying that there are there's an ability for Chubb to explode. But Chubb scored not one single rushing touchdown in the final six weeks of the of the season when Deshaun Watson returned. The moment Deshaun Watson returned under center, he did not score one single rushing touchdown. And you have to correlate those two things because of the the way Deshaun Watson plays and vultures and, and the flow of the game. But he had good yards per carry. He had good yardage. I still like Nick Chubb. But he, all those players you named, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, 
Um, you said a couple others. Those are all second-round players. Pollard yeah, yeah. Pollard's falling maybe to 3.1. JT's a second-round staple. Everyone but Pollard is a second-round player. Brees Hall falling into round three kind of qualifies into a different bucket of running back. So if he climbed up okay. into the, and cemented into round two, I could understand your argument. I would disagree with it. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know you you might not be right. I think the part that you're having a struggle with is that time and time again the injured ACL recovering running back does not have a good year one, and 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 as I yeah. explain in yeah. so many ways, you got to take it case by case. You can avoid all ACL recovering players altogether and avoid a big significant amount of disappointment likelihood that you'd have. But if you want to cherry pick and and successfully do it. You have to look at the three components, like I said, readiness, which he's 100% way ahead of everybody that you can even compare him to, and has the Adrian Peterson readiness walking into his ACL recovered season. Number two, um, you have the situation, like I said, and then number three would be being youthful. And he's got he's got every one of those knocked out of the park. And the fact that we're seeing him run 23 miles per hour, cutting on the field yeah. back in June, cutting you know, cutting on the field, obviously in July as well, cutting and then running 23 miles an hour. Um, that should have you feeling so much more confident than Barkley who barely cut at all walking into week one as a top five overall player. And so Hall going in the yeah. third round respectively is, is low, as low risk as I think you can get in his situation. And I would just urge you to take the gamble in one, you know, one of your leagues and maybe not all of them, but, I think that, that yeah. his situation's gold, bro. His situation's gold, and I, I think he's going to be to the moon, and I think everyone's going to be like, wow, this is... Soon you're going to hear he looks like he didn't even tear his ACL. I've said that since January. I told I told everybody in December and January, we would hear that he's way ahead of schedule. This is before anything really broke on it, so this is just conjecture at my part, on my part. I said he'd be ahead of schedule, and then news started breaking you know, a month or two later. He's ahead of schedule, like way ahead of schedule. Then I said that eventually, yeah. we, have, we haven't heard this part yet, but I've been screaming this all offseason. We're going to hear terms like he looks like he didn't even tear his ACL. He looks better than before. He looks stronger. We haven't heard those things yet until today. Running 23 miles per hour is the first step, I think, in hearing some positive reporting. But uh, I would just urge you to... To take him in one league, or at least if you do best ball, underdog fantasy, promo code Smitty, Joel, um, just draft him, draft him only in best ball. Like, if you want to stay away and redraft in Dynasty, so be it. But but take some gambles and shots on him on, on a $5, you know, slow puppy draft, which we'll do tonight on underdog fantasy, promo code Smitty, or we'll do a $15 weeklies. Um, weeklies would be perfect for you because you only need them to yeah. explode in one week. Every single week is self-contained. And you win 20K if you ever win any individual week and there's no adding of totals across the, the season. It's all individual weeks. It's like 17 individual leagues with the one team that you draft up front. And that would be a that'd be a perfect player that you want to believe in, but you, you're scared uh, of injury. You draft him in the weeklies. Let's say he doesn't get unleashed until week five fully. Well, you can win week five, week six, yeah. week seven, week eight. Uh, so try that. Hey, Joel, hang tight real quickly. I'm going to circle around the phone line. You can ask another question in a second. I'll keep you on the panel here if you don't mind. Let me go to... Yeah, that sounds good to me, man. Let me go to uh, Ron Navy, who's a Mars man. So Ron gets to jump in right in. What's up, yes, Ron? Yes, I do. And I need to know from Joel. Joel, what, what part, part of PA are you from? 
I'm actually uh, like an hour below Erie. Like if you know right around kind of like where Meadville, Pennsylvania is, that's right about like where you I'm know, located at, yeah. you know where Warren, Pennsylvania is? Oh, hell yeah, I know where Warren is. I used to play baseball out there. Legion that's travel my baseball hometown. That's my hometown, brother. That is oh, my hell hometown. Yeah, that's where I All right, so, hey, hey. At, at, from a neighbor to a neighbor, all right, from, oh, from, yeah, from same territory, don't worry about Brees that's Hall. Cool. Take Brees Hall. Trust Mitty. He's dead on on this. Don't fade Brees Hall. I mean, I'm a huge I mean, honestly, dude, he's, he's pretty much convincing me. Like, because, you know, today, I'm, I'm pretty sure the news broke today, but that's the first I'm hearing about the, you know, him running 23 miles per hour. Like, honestly, that, that's some pretty damn good news. Like, because if you look at J.K. Dobbins, like, when he came back, like, even after the couple games that he come back, no burst. just watching him, like, there was a breakaway run that I saw him, you know, take off. And it just looked like he had, like, 100-pound weights, you know, yeah. strapped to his back, and he just couldn't get, you know, to full speed. But free ball definitely does seem kind of like an anomaly. And keep in so mind – keep, keep in, kind of keep, Hey, keep in mind – they, they make us smart in northwestern Pennsylvania, right? We're, we're smart guys. I mean, you said you've already oh, yeah. got 200 drafts in underdog. I've got like 430 right now. So um, – Damn. So keep hey, Joel, going, brother. Joel. And that, you're the reason I called in tonight because I heard the 814 area code. That's my area code. Even though I live in Florida now, I kept my 814 area code number. And, uh, Look at Ron. So, Look at Ron. All right, I'm done. Hey, Ron, 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 hold on one second. You can drop off if you need to, Ron, but stay, hold on one second. Joel, the other, other thing I'll say is that you also got to look at rushing styles too. Like J.K. Dobbins is very, very um, – reliant on hard cuts and being that that really elusive on his cutting and changing direction you know type of uh yeah, type of yeah. movement whereas Brees hall is definitely a one cut and go i'm not saying he can't be shifty shift directions he's amazing at that but he is very much his knees are over his feet meaning he's not you know he's not necessarily all about cutting he's he's very good about going one direction he's think of him like lev bell Remember Lev Bell in his prime? I don't know how many of you okay. even played yeah, back yeah. then. Some people are new to fantasy too. But Lev Bell was the most yeah, patient the runner. Yeah, Lev Bell was a genius when it came to patience. And he literally just like have his hands on his offensive lineman and just kind of feel out the the the, the you know the the gaps and, and he'd choose, you know, when to explode through it. Brees Hall's very much got a style where he's gonna be able to plot around a little bit and not have to do as hard a cutting and so it was a lot harder for Barkley and J.K., I think, given their playing styles to come back than it will for be for Brees Hall, who's going to cut. He's a good cutter. He's a, a, a guy who can plant and go. But he is very much a north and south guy, and that's not a knock on him. It's just when I did my evaluations of Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, and I went back and forth, uh, admittedly, as to who would be the better NFL running back at the end of the day, and I said both of them. <laughs> you know, they're both ge potentially generational talents, yeah. and I still believe that to, to my core about Kenneth Walker. But but I did give an assessment of Marshall Falk, Barry Sanders' type of movement for Kenneth Walker. He's very north, south, east, west, all over the place. Think of him like Forrest Gump. He's running this way. He's running this <laughs> yeah. way all across the field. Then he gets to the sideline. He runs this way. Kenneth Walker's all over the place, navigating to an open plane, an open space, finding the most uh, open and, 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 and best pathway to the next part on the field, then to the next part on the field. Think of uh, Kenneth Walker as a magnet toward open space. 
He's sitting there. There's more open space to the right than there are to the left. Kenneth Walker's going that way. He's going that way. He's going backwards. Brees Hall, while it's not better or worse, Brees Hall's very much uh, cut. He's gone. Can you catch him? Probably not. That's Brees Hall. And so for me, looking at Brees Hall versus JK versus Barkley, he is the most likely of the three to be able to get by, skate by a little bit while he's getting his ability and trust back of cutting hardcore. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers is the best thing that could ever happen to him because look at Aaron Jones year after year after year. So Brees Hall could be literally sitting there, you know, delayed route that he's going to run, just break off, catch a football, and take it 15, 20 yards, run out of bounds. You know, there'll be a lot of opportunity for him not to, to put a bunch of abuse on his knees you know, right away. Like he's not going to just take 25 carries up the gut. He can literally run the ball 10 times and catch four passes in week one and be very, very productive. Um, real quickly, let me get these super chats out of the way. And uh, that way I don't get behind on them. We got Andrew sitting here with a, a $5 hauler in a 10 man PPR snake draft. Two QB, I get first pick. Do I go Justin Jefferson um, or uh, Mahomes Allen? So 10-man PPR snake draft, 2QB league. There, I don't know how much more I can emphasize this, Andrew, uh, and I'm not sure if you've seen this before, so if anybody's watching. If you're in a super flex league, and you said 2QB league, you might mean super flex. 2QB league is different than super flex. Um, if everybody could put themselves on mute if they're on hold, because I got somebody that's like, it sounds like they're, they're at a machine shop right now. Um, just hit mute if you could. Uh, Andrew, if this is a two QB league, my guy, that means it required two QB league. If it's a super flex league, that means you have a one required QB and most likely a, you know, your super flex will be a QB either way, either way. But even more so if it's an actual mandatory two QB, if you don't take a quarterback and you've got a top six pick, you are punting your season away. You are punting your season away. You have been given a gift of dominating your super flex draft by getting a top five or six pick overall, if you get Fields, Burrow, and on up, you're absolutely smashing your draft from the onset. And my number one, and it's not the only way to win. There's so many ways. There's thousands, hundred thousand ways to win. My favorite approach is to grab an Aaron Rodgers or Love in, in round four or five, as late as you can get away with it. And then, you know, consuming the running back and wide receiver and tight end positions in two, three, maybe four, depending on the flow of quarterback. You have to be astute and on your toes as far as when to grab that second quarterback because you could screw yourself. Um, Sam Howell's a good emergency you know, parachute if you get screwed on Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Jordan Love. But if you botch not taking one of the top quarterbacks and you're given a, an opportunity, you're just punting away your opportunity, just absolutely punting it away. You cannot, you cannot take uh, uh, Chase or J.J., and Chase is my number one wide receiver anyway. But you're totally okay to take JJ as the number one wide receiver, but not at number one overall in a super flex. Andrew, appreciate your your question. Um, and in the next next uh, question here, which three tight ends do you like most for fantasy this season? Not Kelsey. Uh, I have a video on this. Go watch the tight end video where I, I, I choose three, four tight ends. I think four tight ends outside of the top 10 because every single season, almost every single season, a tight end that is not top 10 ranked 
climbs into the top five. And I, and I identify some of my four favorites, and there's others. There's guys like Musgrave and Laporta, like we talked about, Ron and, and everybody on the show when this video broke. Um, Laporta's an amazing choice later on. But my my two, if I had to pin it down to two tight ends that could be top five capable, it's Kincaid, who's got a little, he, he requires a little more patience because he could be slow moving out the gate. Not necessarily, but could be a Conquo. A Conquo was number one in the National Football League or number two in every, really every target and, and, uh, and uh, yak yards per target uh, category across the board. He literally outperformed Travis Kelsey in half of the categories and was at least number two in, in almost every single category uh, in terms of targets, uh, yards per target, um, all those stats that make him a glorified breakout and he get you can have him in double digit rounds. So appreciate you dropping that super chat. We got Terry Roberts dropping a super chat here saying, Smitty, the number is 602-635-3664. And believe it or not, that spells 602 NFL dong. And we're talking about a a, a bell. Okay. A bell that you're gonna ring. The dong. Uh that's why we got this uh, little bell inside the, the phone number. Call into the show. Call, call, call into the show. Six zero two, six three five NFL, dong D O N G. Dial in if you would like to uh, partake. Five dollar hauler from my boy Thomas who says Hen and Hooker got put on the pup and could be there a while. I put him on the I uh, I put him on the IR. Going to pick uh, another QB, Brissett or McCoy. QBs uh, are Love, Hooker, Bennett. Um, yeah, I would probably say give me, give me. Colt McCoy, I suppose. I love Stetson Bennett and the fact that you already have him. Take a look at Mike White, who's you know potentially going to get run at some point. You could always look at, at Clayton Toon. You could also you could always look at a couple other uh, you know rookies. O'Connell might eventually get some starts, but I think Colt McCoy's good because you know you're going to get some starts out of him. Uh, Brissett's interesting, and he's definitely one of the better like mediocre backups in the NFL that, that could get in there. But Hennon Hooker, probably not used this year, coming off the ACL tear, and he's very much nowhere near, you know, ready to go. And the, and the team has no interest in moving him into the lineup anytime soon. He would be a 2024 and beyond project for them if they decide to tr try and maybe plan life without Goff. But Goff's going to have a big year, so it's going to be a hard thing to do coming off of 2023 because I think the Lions are going to be in a dogfight for the division win against the, the Chicago Bears, who people just don't give any credit whatsoever. And Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers are going to be a surprise as well. I mean, you got a, you got a lot of, you got a, that, that division's crazy. Anybody in that division could win, could win the division. It's, it's a really, it's a really, really good division. Uh, let's see here. No hunt. I'm with Swaggy, Nick Chubb in 2023. Look, just real quickly on this one. Don't think that, um, don't think that Cream Hunt leaving opens up the door anymore to Nick Chubb because they like their RB room a lot. Um, what's the guy's name? Jerome, Jerome Ford or no, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking out. Is it Ford? Yeah, it's Jerome Ford. It's Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford. They like him a lot. You know, they like him a lot and they could very well give him as much production as Hunt was getting. So I don't know that I would look at that as like an open door necessarily to more work. Uh, and I'm not saying Nick Chubb is not going to explode. You know, this footage of Nick Chubb 
squatting that that you know eight thousand pounds where the bar looks like it's gonna snap and 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 destroy everybody that's nearby. Like a, like it's, it's insane that these guys try and squat with that much weight on a bar. I don't know that those bars are meant to to bend like that constantly though. You know, like they're they're meant to bend a little bit. But good lord, I don't know if anybody saw that that footage of Nick Chubb squatting uh, today. Yeah, I with saw with it. The, the amount of weight on that, they had the guys on each side just to make sure the the bar didn't break and just to hold the weights in case anything happened. Um, sometimes I think these NFL players put their bodies at risk with some of these workouts and things that they don't necessarily need to overdo. Uh, you know, like when Camaro was pulling that, uh, what was he pulling like a tractor or something one time and a bunch of weights, you know, weight set or whatever. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing to your, you know, your potential, your patellar tendon, you know, uh, ruptures that you could have from that kind of stuff. But, um, but, but I think, I think Chubb could have a good year. I just think we, you know, there's reason to be concerned about Nick Chubb not scoring a single rushing touchdown um, walking out of the, the season. Uh, I think I got the Super Chats in order, and I'm going to circle back around the phone lines, I think. Let me just make sure I got them all covered. I believe I do. If I missed anybody's Super Chat, please let me know. Uh, let's go over to Scared Scott, who was on the toilet uh, earlier, and we had to hang up on him. Um, I, was, I, was, I was taking a coffee pill. Okay, go ahead. I to talk to you if go, I was on go ahead, scared Scott, and tell us what what's what you're, petri- what you're petrified about now. What are you petrified about now, Brees Hall? Are you still scared? I'm not. No, I was. I was. The last three redrafts I've been in, I've drafted one point seven, and I was going to take him at three seven, but he kept going at three five twice, three six once. But now. With this one, if you recall, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, it came out that he hit 22 miles an hour. Now it's 23. So that's extremely positive for me because at that level, yeah, well, hold, hold on. 22, 23, that's the difference of one. You're right, Scott. That is, <laughs> that, that is positive. Twenty-three is a lot. Hold, hold, hold on one second, Scott. Scott, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Let's calculate this. There's a solution to this problem. It's not that hard. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Okay, so you like you like Brees. We're good with Brees. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, now, the movement head is the is the key. So I, he definitely looks like it. So I can see taking him early third now. Yeah, but that's what I was calling in for. Well, I appreciate that, you being on on board of this one, Scott. You know, not being petrified like you were about Pacheco earlier on the other video when Pacheco is looking like an absolute monster in the making. And you, and you, I know you kind of embarrassed yourself a little bit, Scott, you kind of embarrassed yourself coming in. You could have said, I don't like him as much as everybody else. And I would have left it alone, but you literally came in and you said, Hey, Smitty, you no, hold on, Scott, hold on. You said, Scott, you said that if you start Pacheco other than with an injury or a bye week your team sucks. That's what you said. That, and that, 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 is, that is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. And I, because if you're starting anybody in your starting lineup in a redraft that has, it's going to have multiple games of 12 and 40, and 
scores you four points, you're in trouble. What makes you think that, Scott, when he was a rookie last year, not anointed the starter until the end of the year? Do you really think Pacheco walked... Hold on a second, Scott. Do you really think Pacheco walked out of 2023 in the playoffs where he was dropping loads on the field? Do you really think he walked out of 2023, Scott, not anointed the starter between the tackles in an offense that can still feed McKinnon? to make you believe that he's going to get 17 to 20 carries a game. What, is, what do I believe? Okay. Let, let, let's take a look at his numbers again, Scott. They used goal, it. Did you not watch the playoffs? It's a goal line. Did you not watch the playoffs, Scott? I don't think you did. I don't think you, you factor in Dude, the, the NFL playoffs, which show you what momentum a player has walking into the next season. This is a, this is a rookie running back that wasn't used until week 10. And you're coming in here talking about season stats with a rookie that wasn't really getting touches until week ten. And and I I, I get I get you feel like he's not gonna get twelve plus carries a game. He's getting twelve plus carries a game, Scott. He's just a he's a nice back that he never he's never he never had a thousand yards in college. In fact, I think last year's eight hundred was the most he's ever ran for. Scott, look look at the numbers in the playoffs. Look at the numbers in the playoffs. Scott, look at the numbers in the playoffs. That's all I'm asking you to do right now. One big drive to close out the half. Seven. It was tremendous. And it was a great this guy game. averages five thinking. yards per carry in 20. He averages 4.9 to 5 point yards per carry in 2023. And, and if you look at his carry totals in the beginning of the year right here, weeks one through eight with the bye week and then week nine you look at weeks 10 on is a, there's a there's a stark difference there's four look at scott look at the double digit carries he got from week 10 all the way through week 16 he's doing he they they aren't stacking boxes against him they're not doing anything it's very it's and you think that's going to change you could drink me <laughs> For a game, and I could have three yards carry for the. So what's the problem, oh, Scott? The- what's the problem? Nothing's going to change. I but can't. Not, I can't. Upside to him, he isn't going to get. He's never going. He's not going to be. Who the says? Guy. Who says you? Who says ball. you? <clears throat> They're all set. All right, hey, look, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind if someone on here has a has an opinion that that parallels Scott's. I don't. I would love to hear it. Does anybody want to speak on Pacheco here? I mean, I'll say something here. Who's this? I think what Scott's not kind of factoring in is the fact that you know he's playing on the Chiefs. Like, dude, the way that Andy Reid dials up those plays, dude, like he manufactures plays for his players. Like, look at what they did last year without Tyree Kill. You know, just yeah. dude, the Chiefs are like I, I all that, but there is not. There doesn't appear to be any kind of indication that they're going to give that man seventeen to twenty-two carries every <laughs> okay. freaking week. Well, well, the Chiefs no, have always kind of double been like the Scott, team Scott that wants Scott, to have like Scott. One I, guy I, Scott, back. I just showed you. I just so I just showed you the stats. I just showed you the stats, Scott. They're right on screen. Okay. I just showed you. Why do we have we have no indication what you said he's going to get 
How many carries? Look at look at his carry. Scott, look at his game. Oh my God, this guy's not listening. Look at his game log, Scott. It's right in front of your face. What do you mean you have no indication they're going to give him carries from week number ten on? Is when he became the starter, Scott. There's no indication that they're going to increase him to the necessary amount of work for for it's right in front of his face. It's right in front of his face. 16, 15, 22, 14, 13, 15, 14. All why he had a broken hand. He had a broken hand and he had a torn labrum and, and he had double digit carries for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games. One, two, three, four, five games of which all were over 14 carries, Scott. This guy's a five yard per carry monster. He scored four touchdowns in that span. Say he goes from but back five in to college, Smitty. Back in that college, he's going to give you somewhere between four and six points. Four and six points. You're high. Hold on. You're high. Hold on. Ron Navy. Ron Navy. Ron Navy dropped a twenty. Ron dropped a twenty dollar hauler to send Scott on the lap. <laughs> alert! Super chat alert. The, the, the games are going to be the truth. What do you mean, Scott? What do you mean it's the truth? What do you mean it's the truth? You don't. You don't have the crystal ball in front of you. Number one. Number two. What do you mean it's the truth? The truth is right in front of you. You're like you're 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 running at the mouth right now, saying he's not going to get the the carries. The carries are right in front of you. You're not even looking He's at the screen. Gonna, 16, 15. Right. Let me add him, Smitty. Let me add him. Right, go ahead, the Patrick. Hey, Smitty. Hey, Smitty. This is Doc. Hold on. Scott, hang tight. Scott, hang tight. Let me go over to the Patrick and then go to the Doc, who can maybe talk some sense into you. Look, I've, I've you know – couple of us have gone to school a couple times. Doc's probably taken the most college. Maybe Doc can get through this man with a little teaching. Uh, let's go to the Doc in a second. Let me go over Let me go over first to the Patrick, and we'll have the Patrick trying to explain it. And if not, we're going to use a little education uh, approach. Go ahead, the Patrick. First things first. First things first, there's a stat. Since Mahomes has, has uh, since his second year in the league, he has produced a top 15 back. Whoever his running back is, is a top 15 back, whether it be CEH, whether it be uh, McKinnon, whether it be Pacheco, whoever's going to be a starter. You go back two years ago about the evolution, about the evolution of the dang uh, Chiefs offense. When Mahomes was going through that stint where they was doing two deep safeties and cutting off Tyreek Hill his last year in Kansas City, Mahomes took his next step as an NFL quarterback about taking what he could get. And that's also when McKinnon reemerged. When uh, McKinnon reemerged with them. I'm telling you right now, if you look even as a rookie, a rookie sixth round last year, he was getting over double digit carries and he was getting some work. He'll get over 15 touches a game this year because he is the clear number one back. And whoever the clear number one back on Kansas City, since Mahomes has been in the league, has been a top 15 back. So I don't see what the argument is here. He doesn't have an argument other than he's scared. And and because, 
and he gets 15 carries. I, I think he's kind of living yards. in the past a little bit. And it scores you six points. <laughs> I think we need to send Scott a Mickey Mouse hat. And Scott, That's Scott, crazy do that. Scott, I don't mean to be I don't mean to be so blunt, but if you keep if you keep repeating the same thing over and over, it's adding no value and I'm gonna hit the hang up button on you. You can't keep saying he's gonna get six points. He can't you can't keep saying he's gonna get six points over and over. You're killing the, the vibes of the show when you're 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 repeating, you know, l- lies on the channel over and over. He had Scott, 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 I'm gonna say it one more time. He had 16, 15, 22, 14, 13, 15, 14, 9, 8 carries to finish out the year. Okay? And then if you look at the playoffs, he had he had 10, he had 12, 10, 15. He's a double digit carry lock moving forward. Double digit carry lock. On top of that, he scored one touchdown in the playoffs on the ground. He had a, a five reception game with the uh, did he have a touchdown receiving? I don't have that cut off here. Did anybody remember if you had a touchdown receiving in the playoffs? I cut it off. Um, this guy is a lock, a lock for a touchdown every other game and, and double-digit carries, and he showed heart and determination and grit. And the fact that you can't see he's one of the toughest runners in the National Football League, whether, whether he's got the size to support it or not, he doesn't care. Like Geno Smith, he ain't writing back if anybody's doubting this man in terms of grit and ability to run the football. This guy is a double-digit carry lock. And if you think he's not going to get targets because McKinnon was just getting you know absorbed on left and right, you don't understand that rookie running backs need to get eased into pass protection. There's no way you're leaving Pacheco out there in year one in the toughest offense in the NFL to pick up. The toughest offense in the National Football League to pick up. The playbook is insane, Scott. Insane. This is the toughest offense to learn. There's no way you're leaving a rookie out there as he's learning it to protect Patrick Mahomes on the regular. They eased him into things. It's a miracle that Pacheco got into the lineup in an Andy Reid system who ignores rookies a lot of the time. And there are times where he does believe in him, like Hunt and uh, and in other situations. But Andy Reid is definitely loving this kid or he would not have given him that opportunity and if you think he's not walking in and, and getting a yeah. significant more uh re- reception and target total you're just you are living in the past bro talking about six and points please. a game are you out of your mind six points a game scott nothing has changed oh my before. god as many as I may, it isn't like it isn't like he had uh, Gabe Davis proficiency. What was it like? Fourteen catches on seventeen targets. That's yeah. proficient for a rookie six round pick. Bro. And and like you said, an Andy Reid offense. It wasn't like they threw it to him twenty five times and he only caught it five. He had like fourteen catches on seventeen targets. Yeah, this is insane. Let's go over to let's go over to the doc real quick. Doc, uh, talk some sense into him. Goodness gracious. Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, I'll be honest, and some of the points I wanted to make, you guys touched on. I'll say this. Um, Scott, let me, ask, let me ask you a question. What, when you say double digits, it sounds to me like you're thinking more on the high end of double digits, where if we look at where Pacheco is going. It, 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 Let the doc talk, football. Scott. Finish him. Scott, 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 don't, no, hold on. Doc, you talk. Scott, I'm going to hit the hang-up button if you interrupt Doc. Doc's trying to prove a point. Go ahead. 
right, so this, let, let me just say this about Pacheco. We don't, one, we don't know what Pacheco's going to be. One other point that I was going to make was he was drafted in the sixth round. He's a rookie. He's on the Kansas City Chiefs. And someone by, I can't remember who, running backs that played in that system are top 15. So he, regardless of how Pacheco plays, at the ADP he's going, he's a safe pick to take if you draft well as your flex. Heck, if you get him as your running back four, that would be amazing. He's in a sixth round. I'm not looking at Pacheco. Six, yeah, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Damn good, actually. But I'm not looking at Pacheco and saying that, okay, he has to get 20 touches to prove himself. And to be honest with you, over the last couple of years, since Kareem Hunt has left, I don't think they've had a running back that even runs the ball 20, or gets 20 touches since he's left there. But that doesn't matter because the offense is so diverse. And so, and the, uh, what's the word I want to use? They're able to adapt on the fly. I mean, look at what, look at what Andy Reid did with Juju Smith. Juju Smith doesn't get that kind of contract from New England if he doesn't play in Kansas City. I mean, people had Juju written off, especially after he was quote unquote supposed to be a wide receiver one. And broke. I don't necessarily need. I don't even need Pacheco to go out there and touch the ball twenty times. What if he ends up being like Tony Pollard, where he can touch the ball, let's just say, let's just go, let's go up a number like 14 to 18 times a game, but he has the potential to hit a home run for you maybe twice, maybe even three times a game. And on top of that, he of those 14 to 18 touches, let's say he gets five, five to, let's say five to eight catches. At, at a six-round pick, that's a very serviceable running back. Now, if we really are being honest about this, you probably can count on one hand how many running backs in the last two, three years average 20 touches a game. I think people throw the number 20 out a lot, but I don't think people really understand how many touches that is per game for a running back. And also, and also, it, Doc, and also, Doc, just to to emphasize that what Doc said is true. They haven't had a running back that is warranted grabbing a hold of the starting job and making their decision to rotate them uh, a tough decision to make. They've been rotating Clyde, and you know they were hoping Clyde was going to be that guy. They drafted Clyde at the tail end of round one, so they wanted him to be that guy, and Pacheco. Uh, to have Pacheco on a on a cheap deal, he's a young rookie, very late draft pick. This is very much Andy Reid style to be like, I'm getting my 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 RB, you know, the cheap way, and they're going to utilize him. They're going to. I'm not saying Pacheco's got great great dynasty value that he won't get banged up because he plays like George Kittle, you know, in terms of just yep. you know, or Gronk in terms of just throwing his body to the wind. Like this guy would, this guy would sever an arm and go back out there and play with one arm. Like he had a broke, he had a torn labrum and a, and a bone, a broken bone in his hand. And none of us knew it, you know, for how long yeah. did we not know it? He didn't care. He didn't cry. He didn't complain. He didn't come out of the game. You know, how many players would have not played the next week, the moment they broke a bone in their hand or tore their labrum. And he had both of them. And you couldn't even tell, you couldn't even tell. Like, like, and Ron said this last show when Scott came on talking about this is like, 
He did what he did injured, severely injured. He did what he did. Imagine what he's going to do with another year of learning the offense, which I, I said earlier is the toughest offense in the National Football League to learn. Damian Williams back in the day was quoted saying that the first entire year he didn't know any of the plays because he couldn't pick it up, not because he's a dumb guy. It's because it's so complicated. And he literally go in the huddle, even in the playoffs when Damian Williams didn't remember when Damian Williams had such a good playoff run in Super Bowl that he was drafted really yep. high that next year and he busted on everybody. Um, Damian Williams. Yeah, but Damian Williams said that Damian Williams said he'd go into the huddle. Even at the end of the year, playing there the whole year, he'd go into the huddle and he'd go, Blue 65, hatchback 7, uh, flux capacitor 8, on 3. And, and he'd, you know, he'd call the play out and then he'd look to Damian and go, run a 5-yard hook. And he literally have to tell Damian Williams where to go, what to do <laughs> individually because the offense is so complex. So you need to factor that in when you start running your mouth, Scott about last year and that he's getting no you know receptions and targets he's literally learning this offense the entire offseason as the starter and if you think he isn't the starter walking in the next one uh, bro we need to get you in every single one of our leagues scotty because uh this is not going to end well um hey real quickly yeah, doc, doc finish it up and then i got to do some supers and then cycle around the phone line go ahead Okay, I just wanted to touch on one other thing with Damian Harris because that was the person I was going to talk about. Damian Williams. When he went off during that playoff. Yeah, Damian Williams, thank you. When he went off during that playoff run, they won their first Super Bowl. You were right. Everybody started drafting him the very next year. Isaiah Pacheco did something very similar this year. Um, now, could he – I hope he doesn't do what Damian Williams does and bust, but here's the difference. Damian Williams was going – probably early third round, yeah. fourth round. Big year. difference. Now you're telling me I can get Pacheco in the sixth round, there's less risk, and let's just say he doesn't give you the numbers that you would hope for for a guy getting 15 to 18 touches. If you drafted well enough of your first five picks, that's not going to hurt you as badly as Dam drafting Damian Williams did the year that he was going as early as he was. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, uh, speculate. So why not? So why not? So why not take a chance? Yeah, on a lot not? less risk. Let me get these supers out of the way. Hang tight, callers. Hold on one second. Check sniping sons of B League after the stream. Thank you, Spacula. I'm sure Spacula is throwing some low ball trade offer at me in one of these follower leagues that we we started a long time ago. I on the air. I traded Travis Kelsey in this dynasty league for what was it? Three or four first rounders. I forget. Was from Spacula. He wanted Kelsey so bad, and I made him pay the price, but. Uh, I, I'll go check and see the low ball offer that Spacula sent me, and I love Spacula. Spacula <clears throat> to the moon. Appre to appreciate Spacula. He's such a good dude. Uh, Ron Navy, appreciate your super chats earlier. Let me go back over to this screen and see what I have here. Hold on. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, we got uh, Isaac saying, never doubt a running back with dreads. Um, that's uh, Fantasy Football 101, says Isaac. Isaac, appreciate your super chat, my guy. Uh, B enemy was the problem, not Pacheco, says Isaac. Again, Isaac dropping more knowledge. And, and Isaac might be right. We don't fully know some of the details around that, but it sounds like B enemy was like he'd take Pacheco out and he had some decision-making there. Let's see if that ends up playing playing out. 
I think Andy Reid loves Pacheco, so this is good news if Andy Reid's solely making that decision. Uh, we need people like Scott to win our league, says Mr. Frost. Uh, Scott, we do want to thank you for your, your role in all this, to be honest, because you're helping hold Pacheco's ADP. Quite arguably, in round seven, six, seven. I don't think he goes in five ever, so if he falls, he'll he's, fall in seven. Going, I haven't been in a redraft yet where he's gone put outside of the seven. Well, right. So six to seven I'm is is a home, home run. Who else? Who else are you going to draft around seven, Scott? That has the upside that Pacheco has. Oh wait, you don't see any upside. That's right. Okay, hold on, Nico. For him all day long, and he's going around after him. To the moon. Nico, appreciate your super chat here. Uh, Nico says, uh, my bold take of 2023, C.D. Lamb will finish as a top five wide receiver. With Zeke gone, the pass-heavy Cowboys will funnel targets to the franchise wide receiver on a contract year. Uh, my go-to pick, Chase, J.J., Bijan are gone. I will say that that they're going to go more run-heavy than they ever have before, though. So when you say the pass-heavy Cowboys, we don't know if this is going to fully transform into a, a, a balanced attacker. Scott, are you interrupting me again? Sorry. Finish him. <laughs> Call terminated. Okay, I had to. I'm sorry. He just it's not stopped. And I'm getting a lot of X's in the chat. The chat wants me to, to to knock Scott off for a little bit just so they can get a little bit of a oh, break. Yeah. Uh but but anyways, Nico, appreciate the super chat. Nico, are you still here? Um I, I think, you know, I think they still throw a lot. I think CD Lamb's gonna ball out. I really do. But do I like him at like 8, 9 sometimes where he goes or 10? I, I prefer him as like my 12, 13 turn pick, which isn't that far away from that. So I don't mind, I don't mind this prediction at all. I love CD Lamb. There's a reason we say get lambed on this show. I even have that somewhere here. Let me see if I can find the, the get lambed uh, animation. Where is that at? Where's our CD Lamb animation? I have it somewhere. I know I do. It's right. Where is it? It's right, right here. Get lambed. Okay, we love CeeDee Lamb here, so you're getting no objection from me. But I do love him like at the 12, 13, 14 overall territory. When I get him as my second drafted player at the top of round two, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, uh, love him, though. He, he's absolutely a, a monster. Isaac dropping another super chat. Uh, what happens when Pacheco gets 17 to 22 total touches and he gets involved in the passing? Nobody is taking away carries from Pacheco, but he could easily get four to five of those targets that McKinnon got. And, and that's another point, too, is McKinnon's 31 years old, and I love McKinnon. And I stand alone draft McKinnon, like, like every single time I can, you know, in double-digit rounds. I love McKinnon. But me drafting McKinnon over and over and over, probably having a top-10 exposure to McKinnon in, in some of these underdog fantasy promo code Smitty turn, tournaments. And you can hit that link in the live or in the description of the video and sign up. It's in the description of every video. Or use code Smitty. If you use code Smitty or the link in the description of every video I have, you'll get double. You'll they'll double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. So if you want to draft with us tonight, you gotta hit that link or use code Smitty so you can get that double deposit on your first deposit ever, and you can draft with us tonight. And um, uh, I, f I forget what I was saying. I was saying uh, what was I saying? Da uh, what was it? What, what was it that I was saying, guys? Something about um, Pacheco tonight or no. I don't know. I think I got the Super Chats out of the way. Let me just make sure real quickly. But Underdog Fantasy, we're drafting tonight. Get ready for it. 
Uh, never doubt a running back, says Isaac. I think I got all these super chats out of the way. Isaac, thank you so much. Oh, 17 to 22 touches. I think I was I was referencing this right here. McKinnon. So I'm drafting McKinnon in every single underdog draft. I probably have the most exposure to or top five exposure to him. And to be frank with you, it has zero to do with Pacheco. I think if Pacheco were to go down, McKinnon's value would increase because they would lean on him more as a running back, but it doesn't really affect his receiving game abilities. But he is 31 years old, and if McKinnon went down, uh, conversely, you would have Pacheco get more involved in the receiving game. And even if he, even if McKinnon stayed healthy all year, this offense is on the field so much and potent to such an extreme degree. It's kind of like the Dalton Kincaid versus Dawson Knox versus Diggs and Gabe Davis example that we talked about yesterday. There's so much production and so many footballs to throw around. You really can't overfeed Kincaid because Kincaid's going to already get, think of it like um, you got five glasses on the table and you got a pitcher of water that can fill seven of them. Like you can only pour so much water in the Kincaid glass. You can only pour so much water in the Pacheco glass. And in, with these with these offenses, you have a pitcher of water in Josh Allen. You have a pitcher of water in Patrick Mahomes that is has too much water in it to fill all these glasses. So for anybody to think that if Pacheco survives and succeeds, that, that, that McKinnon can't, or that McKinnon's really active in the receiving department, that Pacheco can't absorb two, three, four receptions a game, get out of here. Uh, so, Isaac, appreciate your super chat. Let me get on over to some of the people that haven't talked yet. Doc, hang tight for me. Wayne Solo, hang tight for me. The Patrick, hang tight. Joel, hang tight. Ron, hang tight. Let's go to uh, Tamian and then Scoob. No, let's go to Scuba Steve real quick and then Tamian. Tamian, hang tight. Scuba, you're up. Hey, Smitty, what's going on, my man? Uh, just wanted to talk to you uh, real quick. I don't know how much time I got. Uh, it was about uh, Saquon Barkley. So uh, I guess like one of these um, posts on like Instagram that they cover like NFL uh, NFL stuff. It's called Undercover NFL. I guess uh, Saquon Barkley uh, on his Instagram, uh, he started uh, taking like everything off from the Giants, like unfollowing them and everything. I don't know. Like every seems like it's like almost like a speculation as if he wants like to get like a trade. I'm assuming it's probably like some type of like leverage tactic. I guess that, I mean uh, to play that card that he might not show up or something. I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts, like, because uh, you know, like uh, a lot of these uh, athletes now, like they do do stuff like that where they uh, they start like unfollowing like their teams. Uh, I guess like to try to to try to uh, pull like things in their favor. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, I think the for the ma- the majority of my feel on this hasn't really changed too much. I think that he's pissed off right now, as he should be. We've talked about this enough. We don't need to necessarily get into this. I got a whole video if you go watch the Barkley video and and, and last night's video too. Um, we talked about this enough to, to not need to beat a dead horse on it, but the the running backs are getting together. They've created a group, you know, chat, a group thread, and they basically are, are, are you know, going to take a big hard line stance against the NFL as best they can. But at some point, Barkley's going to have to make a decision, and I think he's going to make the decision that I'm going to say, but he could make the decision that I think Ron would say. He's going to have to make the decision whether he's going to actually hold out, save his body, and believe that a team's going to, you know, give him uh, maybe a bigger deal than he would have got with the deal that he was offered by the Giants. Or even if a worst case scenario, he gets the same exact deal. He misses out on the $10.1 million um, franchise tag money and still only gets the, the two to three year deal for about $22 million guaranteed or whatever. And at the end of the day, he loses $10 million but saves his body and guarantees himself the $22 million deal. 
But at the end of the day, I guess I would just say this. I think that at the end of the day, he's going to want the $10.1 million. I think at the end of the day, his his running back you know, community that they're, they're banding together is going to support him and urge him potentially to go get his bag. They can still fight this fight while he's getting paid. And betting on himself as they're proving their point, as they're getting support from the public, and nothing would be better for the the, the running back fight than to see Saquon Barkley over deliver on what is going on. You know what I'm saying? So if Barkley goes out and, and, and explodes, and the Giants are proven wrong that they should have overpaid him, now they're you know potentially going to lose him, and he gets to go you know get get his bag. I think that's going to be a very, very vital part of this this situation. If he sits out, it does prove a point, but you still can't force the league to draft running backs in rounds one, two, three. Not going to necessarily solve the problem initially, and I think that he's going to potentially put himself in a bad spot looking at Lev Bell and how his career got derailed. Looking at you know when a player gets you know raptured from the NFL through a suspension, even um, in the in the case of Deshaun Watson. You know, he didn't bounce back very well. We're going to see how Ridley does. Ridley looks phenomenal right now, by the way. I think Ridley will be an exception to the rule. And Barkley could be an exception to the rule as well. But I feel like uh, I feel like Barkley is going to cool off. He's going to make a lot of noise. I think he'll probably hold... He's not even holding out because he's not under contract right now. He's technically just not coming to the table to sign his deal. So he's not getting fined. He can hold out... It. He can technically, you know, if we want to call it holding out... He can sit out and not sign his deal for a you know his up and you know to the eleventh hour, and then he's going to come in sign the deal and immediately report. So therefore, he's not going to receive a single fine. Same thing with Jacobs, and make this as uncomfortable as he can for the team. But there's going to be a happy medium to where the offense starts planning some things without him, and it would be a shame if he came back and wasn't quite as involved. You know, I'm not saying that anybody's going to replace Barkley. I'm just saying that. He's not going to have some of the things down that he needs to have. He'll pick it up very quickly, I'm sure. But there's going to be a happy medium between making a statement and and potentially putting yourself vulnerable to injury because you don't show up until the 11th hour. Because I can tell you right now, and Doc even said this earlier, and and this this is very true. I've always been a big proponent of this. The longer you hold out, the more likely you are to injury. That's just the bottom line. It's a fact. It doesn't mean that it's always going to come true. doesn't mean a running back like Barkley can't stay fit and in shape and all that. But there's something to being out on the field, having the, the co- cohesiveness and, and meshing with your, your teammates and getting in a rhythm. And, and, and if you just come out there and get on the field, you are very, very much more vulnerable to injury, and that won't bode well for his potential, you know, getting a long-term deal after after the season. So there's a happy medium. It's tough to say where his mindset is. Him and Jacobs could together motivate each other and you know, kind of fuel the fire into sitting out and making a huge statement and having the NFL totally support him. But that's coming at a cost because it still might not invoke a single bit of change, and he might not get any money, and that could be a tough spot for him to be in. If it's me, this is my final statement on it. And I don't really want to get into this because we, we did such a lot of content on this. And I think we covered it pretty well. Everybody got their opinion in. But I'll just, I'll just say this. I'll say my opinion is this. I would bank on him at the 2-3 turn all day long. Maybe not in every league because of the potential unknown and the potential injury risk. But I'll tell you this right now, Scuba Steve. And, and this, is, this is the way I feel about this topic. Saquon Barkley 
is a steal right now at the top of round three as people panic. The moment that he holds out all the way to the 11th hour, and let's say he, he comes back right around September 1 or right before or something like that. And then all of a sudden you've got a draft, let's say, the next uh, the next day. I'm fading Barkley immediately. All right. Why? Because he's going to climb back into the top of round two. Now he has a lot of the injury risk that we talked about, the soft tissue injuries, like Doc said yesterday, the hamstrings, the the quad, the calf, the all these potential injuries that now enter into the situation. And because he's going to play for sure, people will draft him again at the two at the at the two point one to two point three to two point four territory, especially off the buzz that he's coming back. People will kind of vault people a little bit more than they should when there's positive news. And given he's yeah. going to be now getting taken where we were getting him, but with injury risk, I'm out. So I'm in now at two, three turn value, and I'm out at the top of round two if we're talking a month from now. All right. I, I was just going to ask you, uh, if he does, like, show up, do you think that there's, like, a chance that, like, if, if, like he's motivated, like, playing or anything like that, that he could try, for, like, if he's playing pretty good, like, there's a chance he could try forcing himself out via, like, uh like going into like the trade deadline and for some reason like he's playing good and like there's like an, uh he doesn't like the direction that the team's going because he already knows that well they didn't sign him so he's gonna not, be a free not, agent anyway. not, likely, not, likely, not likely not likely not likely because he's going to be on a one-year 10.1 million dollar deal like you know no one has his rights you, you know you're not going to trade the only time a franchise tag player gets traded typically is when you franchise tag them you trade them but only in conjunction with the long-term deal that's announced immediately when the trade is processed. Meaning, Devontae Adams gets franchise tagged. He's talking with the 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 receiving team, the Las Vegas Raiders, and they say, "Okay, let's work out a long-term deal, or we're not executing this." They work out the long-term deal. They shake hands on it. They announce the trade, franchise tag. He's traded. Minutes later, four-year deal. So, so you're not going to get a team that's going to not only take on a player, you know, that they're paying a significant amount of money in their mind at the running back position, at least it's not, not big to us, but you're also giving up draft capital for no guarantee that you have this player walking into the future, you know? So, so that's highly unlikely that there's any sort of trade that happens with a franchise tag player, you know, that the deadline's passed, not to mention, I'm not even sure. I'm pretty sure they can trade them. That's that's a great question, to be honest. A franchise tag player signed his deal. Is he still potentially tradable? I don't know if anybody has the rule on that. So many things are rarely done that you got to like look them up again, to be honest. Um, let, let me go over to uh, Tam- Tamian, who's been waiting patiently. Tamian, you're live. Okay, Vinny. Um, I just need help on uh, 32-man league. It's a super flex just so that you can switch the quarterback out. But I didn't realize until you said it that uh, stacking is not useful. And because it's a 32-man league, I couldn't get a higher stack without trading a ton of draft capital to get a higher pick. So I traded down, and I picked up Bryce Young, and I was going to draft Adam Thielen in the fifth round of the 32-man league. Um, Do I need to get rid of Bryce Young? Wait, wait, wait. Um, why, why do you need to stack? It's a regular redraft league. It's not best ball, right? Yeah, that, that's the reason I'm, I called is because you said that stacking wasn't useful, but I thought stacking was useful in redraft. Well, 
It's, no, I, I mean, drafted it's, Bryce Young. Yeah, no, like targeting Thielen because you have Bryce Young, that's no no benefit to you whatsoever to target a stack like that. Like, I, I mean, what what if Bryce Young struggles? Like, what if what if the offense putters all year long? Like, there's there's zero if there's no connection points in a redraft or dynasty, stacking does nothing. When we say the pancake stack right here, the stack above all stacks. Well, when we talk about the 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 Burrow and Chase stack, a we talk about it because it's our favorite stack of probably all time here on the channel because these are two amazing players that we love so greatly on the channel but number one both of them can be number one at their position and so the the stack is absolutely amazing to draft because you're taking an offense that's super high potent and when you stack and redraft our dynasty it better be an offense that's completely loaded it better be an offense the reason it's so important or uh to draft both those guys let's say and you don't need them you don't need them on the same team but it's because the reason there's no risk in it is because how often are the Bengals not going to come out and gunsling? Very, very rarely is Joe Burrow not going to have an amazing game. We saw it last year where he didn't have a uh, he didn't have a good game in week one. Week two kind of kind of like puttered along. So there's always going to be risk of that in a redraft or dynasty setting. But with an improved offensive line, with uh, Chase you know healthy, with now Charlie Jones on the roster and Chase Brown drafted and just a much better offensive line. We're probably looking at one of the most consistent offenses to produce production that we're we're gonna see in the NFL in 2023. Same thing with Mahomes, same thing with drafting players on KC. Don't think of it like stacking in redraft and dynasty as much as consuming players in offenses that are always going to be dropping fire. Like that's what it's about. But Thielen and Bryce Young, like even in a even in a best ball, I don't care about that. That stack is meaningless to me. Like, I'd rather draft Bryce Young and get a wide receiver I truly like that's going to produce consistently more often than worry about a stack and trying to hit on that. But but 32, to put it in perspective, 32 league super flex is absolutely insane, bro. Just crazy. Um, uh, you know, Thielen's not on my radar at all. I like Mingo more than I like Thielen. Thielen's an older player. Could be okay, I guess. But, I you know, that's definitely – we're talking about Thielen and, and – Bryce Young, that's going to be tough, tough sledding this year. If that's like something you're targeting. Yeah, my question is, um, should I look to draft? I ha- I should I should I look to trade Bryce Young? Well, I mean, what are you going to get? I certainly I don't I don't love him in a redraft setting. I like him in the. Is this a dynasty league? No, this is redraft. Yeah, I mean, he he could potentially be really, really good and show flashes of brilliance from a dynasty perspective. I'm I'm excited about what could be there, but from a redraft perspective, I mean, I'd rather have Sam Howell. I'd rather have uh, much rather have a lot of the other rookies. I I, I like I like not not other rookie quarterbacks, but um, a lot of the other yeah, rookie situations or whatever. But I I think Bryce Young's good. I think in a 32 team league superflex, he's a great player to have. Um, but I don't know that you're winning a championship if he's your number one quarterback in a super flex and if it's a 32 super flex too. There's so many people that aren't going to have two good quarterbacks, so it's not like you can't win. But what are your supporting players? Like, that's what matters. If you don't, if you have Bryce yeah. Young and Thielen and you don't have, like, anybody else, bro, that's, that's – you're done. It's a non-QB super flex, so it's not like I have two quarterbacks. That's, it's a non. I, I it's a non QB super yeah. flex. Okay, so th- that, yeah. I wouldn't call it's that a super – So, like, when your quarterback's on bye week, you switch. You could just swap it out because it's thirty-two. Because you don't, you can't pick up another quarterback for bye week. But but yeah, but but super flex means you could start two QBs. 
Great. Um, it, it just has a super flex, uh, like instead of a normal flex, it is a super yeah, flex. So it's it a super flex. To... That, that means it's a super flex. That's a super flex. That means it's not two QB mandatory. It's one QB mandatory with a super flex. And if you're starting two quarterbacks, you have a huge advantage. So your, your difference is, is a super flex, not a two mandatory QB. But who are your supporting yeah, players? Well, no, there's, no, there's no QB slot. There's no QB slot. It's just a super flex okay. slot. Okay. So who are, your, who, are your, who are your other supporting players? You got Bryce Young and who? So I drafted Ramondre, Alvin Kamara, and Jahan Dotson. Okay. And I have another fourth-round pick um, coming up where I could get someone like Michael Thomas, Rashad Penny, uh, Jamal Williams, or – Damian Harris. Keep going. Maybe Elijah Mitchell, McKinnon, something like that. I don't know where where I should go. I with like that. McKinnon. That's I like McKinnon more than those options. Um, I don't know if you've got other players that are potentially there that you aren't saying that that we might be excited about, but uh, I definitely think McKinnon. I mean, like probably... OBJ, Alan Lazard, Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. Elijah Moore, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman. Nothing super flashy. Jameson Williams. Yeah, because ja- Jameson's tough. Jamison's tough because it's a redraft and you're already like struggling to field. I, I like him maybe next round or something, but McKinnon feels like it's high risk, high reward. Like, you know, I don't mind that McKinnon. That's pretty decent. McKinnon's pretty decent. And do you hate the feeling pick or yes, because that, that'll be my fifth round pick. Yes. But I do I, I, need to draft a wide receiver with my, I hate, with my I fifth hate, round. I hate, I don't hate feeling, but I hate the feeling pick when you're talking about McKinnon still being there and absolutely. That's, well, no, because I, I, dra- I draft him, I draft McKinnon this round and Thielen next round. It just depends because, who's I there. Mean, it depends yeah. who's there, bro. I, I don't think do I, I'm, to... I'm barely drafting Thielen to... at all. So it's like Thielen, Boyd, Mooney, Rondale Moore, Sky Moore, uh, Rice, Sky Moore, Dobbs, Nico, Zay Jones, KJ Osborne, Nico Collins. Zay's okay. Um, McKinnon. McKinnon's the clear cut, but but later on, I don't know. You just have to you'd have to be on the clock and tell me. To be honest with you, Zay's pretty good too. Um, Zay's pretty crafty, but that's a tough league, bro. All right, hang tight for me, um, my guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back around real quick. Uh, we are because we're going live in a little bit. Um, I want to end the show uh, a little early here, so let me circle around the phone line and get everybody's final takes, and then I'm gonna close out, and then I'm gonna jump off. I got the plumber here as well. So I had to go handle that. Poor Miss Smitty's trying to explain everything right now. Uh, Marsman Wayne Solo, final 10 seconds. Go. All right. So somebody said, uh, I don't know who it was. Somebody said that the Chiefs have produced a top 15 back like every year that Mahomes has been a starter. That is false. Um, I mean, we, we haven't had a we haven't had a top top 15 running back since like Kareem Hunt. But, uh, I mean, you go back last year, nobody finished in the top 15 between Pacheco, McKinnon, or Clyde. Back to the first Super Bowl we won back in 2020. We didn't have anybody who finished inside top 15. I will say with Pacheco, I just, uh, I, you know, I would like him as my third running back, obviously. And, you know, that, that's obviously up for debate with other people. But I think I, he's a good good value to where he's being drafted, obviously. I think, I think one important point is that, that if you take Clyde Orzelaire, Pacheco McKinnon, and you start just one of them for 17 weeks last year, and you pick, you got to pick the one you want to start. And it was pretty easy to know which one was the more beneficial start. You, you had a top six to seven running back in the finish, in fantasy football. So, like, 
maybe that's what he meant when he said that. But but yeah, look, uh, it is what it is. As Barkley's been saying all week, and it's such a, a, a fitting phrase for a lot of stuff this week. I think that sixth, seventh round, Pacheco's a smash. Um, if we had to take him high in the third round, like uh, like uh, Doc said with um, Damian Williams coming into that season where he popped off and then fell flat, you know, then then it'd be a whole different story. All right, hey, uh, I gotta run, pal. Uh, appreciate you, Wayne Solo. Call in tonight when we're drafting live on Underdog Fantasy promo code Smitty. We'll be drafting tonight. All right, wait, Wayne Solo. See you later. Uh, scuba Steve. Scuba Steve, final 10 seconds. Go. You got to go quick, bro. Hey, Smitty, uh, uh, would, you, would you ever think about doing, like, a uh, video of breaking down of, like, uh, early strategies where somebody wanted to take a Travis Kelsey or someone like the early quarterbacks, how to, like, build out your team? I feel like a lot of people that do, like, go, uh, go to those positions, like, they're, uh, they don't really end up having, like, a good team, like, towards, like, the end. Uh, I'll, just I'll, thinking, I'll try like, Would you ever I'll, do something like that? I'll write it down because Kelsey's this is the easiest uh, way to – the easiest year to ever build going tight and early with Kelsey, and I'll, I'll, I'll do a video on that. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, no problem, man. See you. Later. Uh, Joel, final 10 seconds. Go. I just wanted to say that uh... – I look forward to drafting with you, man. Uh, I actually was getting in a couple puppies last night and oh got surprised when I was sitting here and I was like, oh, shit, the fantasy football shows right after me. Oh, so that's I'm already you... in the draft here, man. Nice, bro. All I look right, bro. forward to, to sniping you. All right. I, I appreciate hey, that. Hey, before you let Joel go, don't let him go yet. Don't let him go yet, Smitty. Right. And you can kick me off right after this. Joel, what is your YouTube name on, and Ron? what is your underdog name? Yeah, what's your YouTube name, Joel? My YouTube name is... Uh, I got to change it. It's actually some stuff I used to do. I used to play this game and I was making some YouTube videos, but it's J Rob GC and team energy. Okay. That's well, my YouTube. Okay. Name. We'll look for you. As I just want to know if chat or not. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, and rename then, it. Then, Joel. Uh, uh, rename it something Joel. And then we'll put you. Joel. All you, right. You, you want, me to, want me to name you Joel? <laughs> I'll think of a name. <laughs> what is it? I'll think of name, a name for you. Joel the. I don't know. Joel. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll come, I'll come up with something. All right, Joel, appreciate you. Hey, Joel, what, 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 what town right, are boys. you in? You in the area or, or that area? I'm about 40 minutes, I'd say, 45 minutes from Corey. It's, uh, I'm just outside of Meadville, Meadville, Pennsylvania. Okay. Around Linesville? Yeah, Linesville's like 10, 15 minutes from me. Okay, I got you. All right, uh, Joel. What, what's your, uh, yep. What, What's your you, your uh, underdog name? <laughs> my, my underdog name is Ladanian Tomlinson. Not a boy. Not a boy. Ladanian All right, Thompson. I'll look That's for great. you, brother. All right, Joel, appreciate you, man. Later, All right, man. Tamian, final ten seconds. Go. You're out. Okay, later, Ron. Uh, appreciate appreciate. See you tonight, Ron. All right, bye. Tamian, Tamian, ten ten seconds. Everyone draft Iowa State players because they're the best, especially Brees Hall. All right, bro. Later. Doc, Doc, final 10. Hey, hey, Smitty, I'm actually, I was actually trying to tell you I got to go, but hey, appreciate you letting me be on the show. All right, later, and, pal. Um, I'll call in another time. All right, Thank later, you. appreciate you. Later. Uh, we'll be we'll be drafting tonight, guys. Here's the link on Underdog Fantasy, promo code Smitty. Uh, please click this link now and, and prepare yourself uh, because if you have to sign up last second tonight, we're going to go live about midnight, maybe 12.30 p.m. Eastern, about 9.30 p.m., uh, West Coast time. So if you don't click that link right now and jump in, 
and sign up and get the app ready to go, you will not get into the draft with us. But you can still draft alongside of us if you're a little delayed. Just do a different draft. It's fine. Click that link now and get ready to go. Uh, but just so everybody knows, today's show, Brees Hall clocked at 23 miles per hour today in practice. Let the haters hate. He's on the active PUP, which they can take him off at any moment. It's a chess game in terms of just checking out other players on the roster and keeping everybody there as long as they can. And Brees Hall can move to the side on the active PUP uh, by design so they can do what they got to do. Brees Hall to the absolute moon. He's eight feet tall, for goodness sake. See you all tonight. Reese Hall is eight foot tall. He will always answer the mother freaking call. Don't let him fall. In the third, don't stall. Just give Batman the freaking football. He's Brees. He's Brees. He does a hole of a job. A hole of a job. A hole of a job. Reese Hall, please report to the moon. He does a hell of a job.